welcome to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long. Each week I talk to a musician about something they're really interested in and occasionally we get super sidetracked and go off on tangents. We upload a new episode every Friday and if you're new to the podcast, check out talktheline.blog for our previous episodes covering everything from Shura on space to Martine McCutcheon on Henry VIII. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkTheLine. You can follow me at Jen Long. Please do say hi we really like chatting to you on the internet. If you're feeling super festive, tis the season and everything, please subscribe to this podcast. Rod Thomas grew up in Neath, South Wales, where he passed the time learning how to play as many different instruments as he could. Moving to London, he started busking at Liverpool Street Tube Station and playing solo shows under his own name with an acoustic guitar and keyboard. In 2009, he flew to LA to work with the producer Boom Bip, where he found his 90s disco pop sound. He released his Love Part 2 EP the next year under the name Bright Light, Bright Light and gone were the days of being mistaken for the Matchbox 20 singer. Rod released his debut album, Make Me Believe in Hope, in 2012, which caught the ear of Sir Elton John. Rod and Elton became friends, and Bright Light, Bright Light supported Elton on his world tour, playing over 50 dates together. His second album, Life is Easy, followed in 2014, and last year he released the brilliant Cinematography, which not only features the vocals of Elton, but also all members of the Scissor Sisters and Alan Cumming. Rod now lives in New York, but still comes back to the UK for shows every now and again. I caught up with him on one such trip just a few months back to discuss one of his many passions, cult movies with strong female leads. Warning, if you're about to watch Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, Mannequin or Alien Resurrection, this chat does contain a few spoilers. I love that I get to interview you. I in, know, it's yeah. amazing, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like every walk of life I somehow managed to shoehorn you in. I'm eternally grateful to you. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> it's like every time you come back to the UK, it's, shall we hang out? And then, shall we hang out? And then it's an interview. Yeah. Shall we hang Shall we hang out? Interview. But this one's fun. It is. This one's not even about you. Not really. Well, it is it's, about no, you. No, it's not even really about me, is it? It's about fabulous women. Have we started, by the way? Yeah, yeah, Have we, we started. I know, it's very laid back. <laughs> we're just here it's, on these... it's just so natural Jen like so I didn't even notice I know we could be in, could be in your house could, could be in be. your flat drinking yeah. a cup of tea could be eating snazzy beans oh down little Georgia mm. instead we're reclining on these gorgeous Chesterfields yeah here we go in the wonderful strong rooms you know um, that story that I tell about the woman before I sang Running Back to You on stage I don't know if you've heard it yes I decided recently that she was on like a dark green sofa and here we are just Tell like a, a story, because it's your whole album's kind of like movie inspired. <laughs> yes, so um, proving further that I am a preposterous human being, um, my album is based on my love of film, which is why I'm talking about what I'm talking about today, and uh, it's inspired by like dance sequences and scenes and people, characters in films. And so, for running back to you, I kind of imagined um, like a semi-fabulous woman. Imagine her, right? She's on her own one night. Can I swear in this podcast? Yes, you fucking can. Okay. So she's there on her own. She's, uh, she's reclining on a dark green pleather sofa because we've all got budget. And she's swilling in her right hand a glass of wine. Like, let's say for the purpose of this, it's like a cheap Merlot. Okay? <laughs> Lipstick on the rim. She throws the glass to the ground. She goes, fuck it. I know he doesn't want me, but I want him back. She looks out the window. There's a storm, like crazy lightning, rain, everything, wind blowing. But she's like, I'm going to get him back. She stands up. She walks to the door. She throws the door open. She looks into the storm. Okay? 
and then she just walks in a perfectly straight line into the rain. The hair flattens to the face, the lipstick, all over, smudged. The, uh, the eyeliner runs, she bought the wrong one. <laughs> the shoulder pads flatten, the dress is completely ruined, but she's wearing really good shoes. And that's what the song's about. It's so brilliant. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're ridiculous. <laughs> I am ridiculous, I know. <laughs> when you first said that your album was called Choreography and it was all about dance routines, my mind straight away went to the scene in Romeo and Michelle. Yes. Is that like your favourite film? Yeah, probably. Um, I think it is one of my favourite films, definitely. It just makes me so happy. The characters are just so dreadful. You know, like they're dreadful people. You root for them, but they're really not nice women. They're really vacuous and they're really surface level. <laughs> but that's kind of the magic of it. Like you vie for these two dreadful girls who just want to impress people to look cool. Like that's the premise of it. Oh my God, I've never actually properly thought about it, but you're right. They have no real redeeming characteristics. No, none at all. They're really <laughs> superficial. And even like Janine Garofalo's character, Heather Mooney, she's a total asshole. <laughs> and she's amazing. So I think the magic of this film is like awful, awful people who you can totally remember from your school life. Just having a ridiculous time with a great soundtrack. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. And like the dance sequence with Alan Cumming and Mira Savino and Lisa Kudrow is just so cool. Like the cast is so brilliant. The whole movie, I think, is just perfectly toned. I love it. So what would you say that the, the music, the music, the movies that we're talking about today, what sort of genre are we talking? Is it kind of like cult classics? It's, I mean, does Romeo, is Romeo and Michelle a cult classic? Yeah, very much, yeah. Cool. I would say cult classics with a strong female lead. That's my niche. <laughs> <laughs> Despite not being a woman, that is <laughs> my niche. I was planning on being really prepared for this, but then we actually only decided on the films on WhatsApp this morning. Yes, that's, that's my fault, I'm afraid. No, it's totally fine. You've been on tour. I have. I've been tiling my bathroom. Yeah. We're very busy people. You know, real lives, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> real lives. But obviously one of them, actually three of the films that uh, I picked as like favourites of mine, they have two um, strong female leads in each one. Which is even better, really. So, Romy and Michelle, I love the duo of Lisa Goudreau and Mira Sorvino. They're just amazing. And at that point, when the film was made, Mira Sorvino had like way more currency than Lisa Goudreau because she just won Golden Globe and Academy Award for Mighty Aphrodite. So, she was an award winner. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, wasn't Lisa Goudreau like She friends, was in Friends, though? but Mira was the award winner. And she was dating Quentin Tarantino at the time, which what? is like wild. Oh God. And then she was in a film where she goes, let's fold scarves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just amazing. Like the, the kind of everything that went into the film was just so brilliant. We've got like Justin Theroux before he was a huge star. Which one's Justin Theroux? The cowboy. That <gasps> had, yeah. Oh my God. That's Justin is. Theroux, pre, pre, pre-gen. Um, yeah, tons and tons of people in that film who are all brilliant. It's just such a... Toby's been in stuff before as well, hasn't she? She has. I'm less familiar with her, but yeah, yeah. she was famous. I think stage rather than screen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm informed correctly. Oh. Um, and so Alien 2 is another one that we're talking about. Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection. Which is Alien 4. Oh. Yeah, okay. so like no, but nobody else's favourite Alien franchise film. Definitely mine. Um, <laughs> Of course, because I'm ridiculous. So another 
sort of like a double female leads. You've got Sigourney Weaver, Ob, and Winona Ryder. <gasps> why have I not seen this film? Don't know. I don't know why the whole world isn't still watching this. I've watched it twice this year already. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so the kind of premise of Alien Resurrection is in Alien 3, spoiler alert, Sigourney Weaver dies. In Alien 4, they clone her and they bring her back. Oh my God. So then they're kind of getting the memories from her DNA and they've brought aliens to this space base where they're cloning them as well. And they're trying to... When they cloned her, they cloned her with the alien inside. So they're cloning... They're trying to create more aliens. And there's this really interesting switch of like, who is the the demon, as it were, you know? Mm. You've got this, like, the humans are awful. And the aliens are like vicious, but they're really just trying to stay alive in the same way that any kind of animal does or creature does. But we're messing with nature. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're messing with them. Um, and the whole relationship between Sigourney Weaver and the aliens is really incredible. So this song also inspired a song on choreography. Uh, called, it's called Kiss for Kiss. And there's a 20 to 30 second scene in the film where... Sigourney Weaver is just about to get to safety, you know, to the escape shuttle. And because it's Hollywood, they pause. You never do that in a horror movie. <laughs> never stop. So she does, falls through the floor and lands in a pit of aliens. And she's there like writhing around in this sea of alien bodies. And it gets really dark and really sensual for like 20 to 30 seconds. And it's amazing. And that's what I wrote. Kiss for kiss about. But she's like getting sexy with not the, sexy, like, but like really like close. Monsters. It's like very like maternal, oh. like you know, like a family kind of thing. Right. But there's this weird sort of dichotomy between danger and love, and that's kind of what I took from <laughs> from that ridiculous <laughs> scene. It's amazing. Um, and then it. the other movie that we're going to discuss. Should we should we discuss them one by one, or should we just start, sure. start by saying what we're which ones were? Yeah, I mean, you want to do three, we right? We could do like an index, sure. and then we can go back over. Do you want three in depth, and then just an honourable mention for another yeah. two? Yeah, cool. Okay, so the third one, I'm gonna say is Batman Returns. Oh, I thought you were gonna do Mannequin. So oh, we let's do Mannequin. Your... No, I haven't seen it, but we can. I just, let's, I let's just do know mannequin. that you're obsessed with Kim Cattrall. Yes, let's do Mannequin okay. because that did inspire another song as well. Honourable mentions go to Batman Returns for Michelle Pfeiffer's performance as Catwoman. Amazing which was going to be Annette Benning to begin with, and then she couldn't do it in the end. And then it became oh. Michelle Pfeiffer, who obviously is superior. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I just wouldn't see Annette Benning in that role. No, I mean, she wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. She's not really a lycra type. No. <laughs> <laughs> the critics quote. <laughs> um, Annette uh, Benning, better out of lycra. Better out of lycra. <laughs> um, and the other film that I will give the honourable mention to is Night of the Comet, which is this sci-fi, it's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi. And there's a comet, everyone goes outside to see it, everyone on Earth disappears apart from a handful of people. And it has another strong duo, which is Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney, who's also in Chopping Mall, which is another 80s horror movie favourite of mine. I don't even know who these people are. Just just enjoy the film fresh. Okay. <laughs> Um, Are any of these on like Netflix and yeah, Amazon? Yeah, Night of the Comet is on Netflix. Fab. And it's, it's so fantastic. It's like 
basically a recycling of lots of other sci-fi storylines, you know, the whole like, ooh, end of the world, ooh, everyone's disappeared, where they've all gone, mm. who's going to survive, what's happening. But it's really tongue-in-cheek and there's a lot of in-jokes with it, there's a lot of humour, it looks gorgeous and the filming of it is great and the duo of the two female leads is brilliant and they're both fantastic, so... I would recommend those. Okay, cool. So then, yeah, the main ones, Romy Michelle's High School Reunion, Alien Resurrection, and Mannequin. 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 Okay. Um, I guess we should just start by talking about Kim Cattrall, because you do, do love her. I do love Kim Cattrall. And you have sent me that video of her. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. This is her scatting. It is the best piece of footage on the internet. <laughs> like, absolutely, without doubt. So, for those people, which is most people in the world who haven't seen this clip, um, it's footage of Kim Cattrall reciting poetry while her then-husband, Mark, plays the double bass. And there's nothing like it in the entire galaxy. It's really indescribable and it's really mind-blowing. So, like, we watched it so many times on tour. We watched it probably about 300 times. David, my drummer, chopped up the sample. I, I ripped it off the internet and I sent it to everyone. And he chopped it up and he used it on his drum pads and that's what we were sound checking with, was Kim Cattrall. Oh my God, amazing. Um, these two genius people in New York um, set up a gallery exhibition called Yamaka Biebo, which is one of the lines from a poem that she scats, and made a room into the living room that they thought Kim Cattrall would be in oh <laughs> while doing it. And it was just... The most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, niche references really do bring people together. Um, and actually, somebody else wrote an article about the video and why it hasn't had 200 million views on YouTube because it's so genius. So that's, like, the legacy of Kim Cattrall. Um, obviously, you search it? It's just you called... type in Kim Cattrall poetry jazz. Amazing. Simply, it will come straight back up. You've got... There we are. He's got it straight. Producer Paul, he always likes to just have a little, a little nugget in every podcast. Yeah, just a little. I, you like a little moment in the sun over there, don't you? He's giving me the loves finger. It. He loves, he loves it. Loves it. Um, so yeah, Kim Cattrall. Obviously, most people would know her from Sex in the City. Yes. Most most people who aren't, you know, Samantha. Samantha. Who's the Samantha? Oh my god! I actually did ask a friend on email today. Which Sex in the City character are you? <laughs> I was just joking. I was like, oh, look at our hectic lifestyles. Which Sex in the City character are you? What did they say? She said, a Miranda Obbs. Obbs. She's redhead, so. There you go. Is she also a lesbian? No, no. Miranda was also in Adam's Family Values, by the way. She played one of the almost hired nannies. What? I know. Oh, my God. I know. I've watched too much film. Um, anyway, <laughs> Kim Cattrall. Sex in the City. Big Trouble in Little China. Amazing. Um, she's also in Crossroads. She plays Britney Spears' mum. Shut up. I will not shut up, it's true. Oh my God, I love that film. And Mannequin, which Mannequin. is one of the best films in the world. I re feel really bad. It's one of those ones that I always, I'm like, I need to watch that, and then I just never do. It's so good. So is the premise that she's a sexy mannequin? Well, the premise is, <laughs> <laughs> as ridiculous as anything I've ever done in my life, um, she was a, an ancient Egyptian 
uh, daughter of a pharaoh that was meant to be married to some like dung cart dealer or something like that. She prays to the gods to take her away. So poof, there she goes. She goes through time and space <laughs> and meets all of these crazy people um, and then ends up in 1980s Philadelphia. Uh, reincarnated as a shop store mannequin that Andrew McCarthy's character has lovingly created. Um, that she comes to life, but only he can see. That does sound really and good. And hilarity ensues. Oh, wow. Amazing. Does he, does he know that other people just see a mannequin? Yes. Brilliant. Yes, it's completely amazing. My favourite part of the film is the three and a half minute dance sequence, which has absolutely no purpose other than joy. <laughs> so like after the lights go out they just dance around the shopping mall and just dress up in loads of clothes and have a right old lol oh, it's amazing I love it and that dance that dance sequence inspired um, Symmetry of Two Hearts on choreography as well that's what I wrote the song about it was just Kim Guttrell and Andrew McCarthy mincing around and being fabulous what do you think the, all, all these films sort of 80s yeah these uh, Alien 90s. Resurrection was 90s yeah Romy Michelle Oh no, Roman Michelle was 90s, Alien Resurrection 90s, and Mannequin 80s. Do you think it's like the soundtracks or the fashion or the I way that you can write something that's just so ridiculous and unbelievable? <laughs> like, I feel like nowadays films have to be like more true to life. Like people love a true to life, gritty. I don't think narrative. there's as much um, sort of innate joy in films these days. You know, like Mannequin, it's a completely preposterous film. But it's so lovingly executed, like the, the color tones, the, the stylistics, the soundtrack, the setting, the fact that it's all real and not CGI. It's just so wonderfully warm, you know, like it's really, it's a, it's a brilliant thing to watch. It makes me feel so fantastic. And I think like the fact that there was that completely random dance sequence for no purpose is just so... It's that like golden era of cinema where films were just stupid and they were just having fun. Like films were just there so you could sit back and enjoy yeah, them. Yeah, it's great. It makes very little social commentary. I could be totally wrong, but I don't feel like I've seen like an adult film come out lately, which has just been about something that requires your imagine you to like just let go, yeah. like suspend belief. I can't think of anything that does that, that's as fun as something like Mannequin, yeah. you know? I, I really love it, and I love, like the soundtrack was just completely amazing. Like so that, who's on the soundtrack? Uh, Starships, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. I mean, <laughs> that is just one of the best songs in the world, isn't it? How I mean, does it, it go? And we can build a dream Oh yeah! Yeah, of course. It's so <gasps> oh, good, like it good. just makes you smile when you hear that song. And it's, that song is just so great. Like the, the dance sequence is set to, a song that wasn't a hit, which is Do You Dream About Me by Alicia. Kind of like a Madonna-esque singer, you know? Okay. Not as big, evidently. Not as, yeah, yeah. But yeah, a great soundtrack. Very, very 80s, very of the time. Um, I think Mannequin is a really great like time capsule, almost, of that kind of moment in history where films had a lot of money. You know, everything was done on location and they, it was just fun. Like Kim Cattrall sat for six weeks to um, have the mannequins shaped of her and they look exactly like her. 
It's they amazing. actually made mannequins. Yeah, six, didn't just stand still. six different mannequins with six different expressions. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You know, it's kind of very much of that, like Jim Henson, everything was made by hand yeah. era. And I love that so much. Yeah, I suppose now when you do everything with computers, it just sort of, well, I mean, it still takes the majors to do it with computers, doesn't it? But it just doesn't feel as real. It doesn't feel as real. Probably to kids these days it does, but to me, it's not as magic. Yeah, they'll probably look back on our films from when we were kids and just think that they're completely unrealistic and lame now. Yeah, probably. Like when you watch Hook, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> or Lawnmower Man. Like what when was Lawnmower Man? Oh, some terrible film where the CGI was, you know, cutting edge and it's a piece oh my of God, shit. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. With the ant. Fabulous. I, used, I cried once because the ant died. Oh. I know, now... That's why seemed, you're a vegetarian, Jen. That's why I'm vegetarian. It seems so real at the time, but now when you watch it, you're just like, oh, wow, those, those special effects. Oh, no. Do you think... You know how we all are just constantly on our phones all the time? And I don't know what that had to do with anything, but I was just thinking of... <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but I had, like, a conversation today with someone about millennials mm. and whether what the age grouping is for, like, being a millennial and being a... Generation Xer and being mm. a centennial. And then he said there's like this weird gap between Generation X and Millennials, which is called like Gen Z or Zennial or something. I can't remember something right. like that. And I was just like, and he, that's apparently the, the last kind of like demographic that still has an imagination. Mm. I don't know whether that has like any, any input into whether people, you know, want to watch films where you do have to suspend your belief and whether you do have to like let your mind open a little bit and where that can just be fun yeah whereas everything now just seems to have to serve a purpose yeah i think the kind of silliness of cinema is not quite there or or if it is there it's like kind of a bit more garbage you know mm. like a lot of the films that are silly these days they're just shit yeah. And films like Mannequin, maybe people of our age back then thought Mannequin was shit. It's not shit. Maybe. But <laughs> but it's not. But it, but it's not shit. <laughs> I don't know. There's obviously like rose tinted glasses and sentimentality yeah. and that kind of plays a, a big part in it, I think. But uh, I don't know. For me, it's the kind of pinnacle of brainless but super satisfactory cinema. Mm. You know, and like having a brilliant female lead role just makes the film so much better. You know, technically the film is sort of about Andrew McCarthy and his role mm -hmm. and his job and the fact that he thinks he's imagining this woman, but is he, isn't he? But it's her performance that makes it so brilliant. Yeah. You know, she's the, the perfect Hollywood actress for this, I think. She's amazing. I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean about, like... <sighs> Because a lot of films, they do centre around a, a male lead, like yeah. so many films, actually. And there's that thing, isn't there? I can't remember what it's called. Um, can you stop reading the magazine and Google it for me, please? <laughs> Sassy! It's the, you know, the, it's, like, um, it's like a theory in film studies where Frozen's, Frozen qualifies for it, but it's um, to have, or in any text. No, What's it called? The Bechdel. Bechdel? Bechdel. Bechdel. Mm. Have you heard of it? So it's like um, if you have two women in a film having a conversation that's not about a man, mm. then it, it passes this, this test. Right. And it's something, oh, here we go. 
Bechdel test. The Bechdel test asks whether a work of fiction features at least two women who talk about who talk to each other about something other than a man. The requirement that the two women must be named is sometimes added. But it's like so few films yeah. or like novels or television shows pass this test. It's like insane. But isn't that completely... It's part of the reason that I wanted to pick films with a strong female lead because, you know, I am a white man, which, you know, I mean, that's not news to you, evidently. But, <laughs> what? But, but I'm like hyper aware of how much of... I'm also like a gay man, which does separate, separate me from that somewhat. You get bonus points for that. I do get bonus yeah. points. Because so much of society is just about the straight white man and I'm really bored by that. Like, I'm much more drawn to the kind of other. And unfortunately, gay people and women are very often the other in culture, mm. which is completely absurd. Completely, yeah. completely absurd. So my interest in cinema comes when films, as stupid as they are, like Mannequin, take the focus off, like, the male character. Yeah. And that's kind of why I picked these films, because you're just not as interested in the male character. Like, yes, Andrew McCarthy is the main person. You want him to get together with, um, what's you call Emmy, you know, Kim Cattrall's character. But more than that, you want her to be real and you want her to be alive, you know? Mm. Like, you don't really care about him, but you want them to end up together, mainly because of, her, because yeah. of her. It's kind of like, I guess, in Romeo and Michelle, where... They, they, they want to go off with the different guys, yeah. but then really it's just all about their friendship and, exactly. and their, love for, their, their platonic love for each other. Yeah. Like Romy and Michelle, it's the female characters that get the laughs. It's the female characters that have something to say. They have substance, whether it's pleasant or not. Yeah. You know, and that, they are the ones that you invest in. They are the ones that you quote. Apart from Alan Cummings' character, Sandy Frink, who is, you, he does have some funny moments and he's part of the magic of their friendship by yeah. the end. Um, but sort of gets brought in, they become a trio. Yeah. yeah, but it's nice that he is kind of like the accessory of the two female leads, yeah. you know? I, I like that. Is, yeah. He's like their purse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the very rich designer purse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then in um, Alien Resurrection, kind of like with the other, other oh God, kind of like with the other Alien movies, you don't really care about the men. They just get killed off one by one. And it's really Sigourney Weaver that you care about. And this one you have Winona Ryder's character as well. And the men tend to be more stock figures, you know, interchangeable with any other space movie, which in my mind was hopefully done on purpose. But with Sigourney Weaver's character and um, Winona Ryder's character, there's a bit more depth and there's more intrigue and you definitely root for them. Mm. And you're interested in what's become of them or what they've come from. And that's, for me, what makes the Alien franchise like my ultimate space sci-fi kind of film, because it's not about the boring male characters. Yeah. The Alien is female. And like they're all really kick-ass. And the men are just like flies, really. Yeah. It's awesome. And I guess the, char the female characters are actually developed, whereas yes. a lot of the time, in, I feel like in films, you get the woman who's just quite two-dimensional. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, even in, in, in Romeo and Michelle, where you say that they're you know, not particularly pleasant and they do seem like vapid and, and vacuous, but at the end, and I don't want to ruin it for anyone, mm. but they, they set up a business. They, they do. They <laughs> business women. They're entrepreneurs. Yes, they are. Unfortunately, it's bankrolled by a man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, 
But but still, they're just going out and getting investment. Yeah, but I mean, they got the man <laughs> to pay for it. They fucking won. <laughs> I don't know. I think with yeah, with Romy and Michelle, they're not particularly pleasant people, but they are believable. Like the characters are fully formed. Like they're perfect for what they're supposed to be. Mm. I love I love the characters in that film. They're so fun to watch and they're so satisfying. They're like infinitely quotable. They're Oh my god, give me some quotes. I love it. So like, um, showing the kind of superficial side, um, Romy is trying to pick up guys for them to pretend they've got hot husbands with when they go back to the reunion. I don't know why, because they're not going to go with them. Um, And this guy, she's like, oh, that's a nice suit. And he's like, yeah, I'm a suit salesman. And then she's obviously not impressed by his crap job. So she's like, would you excuse me? I cut my foot earlier and my shoe's filling up with blood as a, her like lame excuse and then she just walks <laughs> off. It's obviously like, okay, Toby, fuck off. Which um, <laughs> Janine Garofalo's character, Heather Mooney says to Toby all the time. Oh my God, like, oh, Ramon, when Romy is trying to scam a free car from the guy working in the garage. Do you have a businesswoman special? Yeah, exactly. It's so amazing. <laughs> I've probably misquoted that, haven't I? But... Do you have some kind of businesswoman special? <laughs> I love her voice. Uh, her, her voice is like so amazing. I was watching an interview with them where Lisa Cattrall was just saying she grew up in a crappy place. She's like, oh, I knew a lot of stupid girls and she modeled it on them. And uh, Mira Sorvino said she modeled the voice for her character on her sister. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh. is so brilliant. And I suppose at that time in the 90s, there were other films coming out like Clueless, maybe. Which mm-hmm. I feel like the costumes and that sort of like fashion and accessorising and the almost like materialism of it all was very 90s. It's very 90s, yeah. So Clueless, I think, was 94 and Romy Michelle was 97. So there's a good few years between them. But the aesthetic is fairly similar. Yeah. You know, the the love of shopping, the kind of fashions, the the sort of superficiality but that doesn't have no heart yeah. like they they aren't nice people but they're not awful they're, like they're not like they're not the worst people they also had like they were bullied and they kind of dealt with it by living their fabulous lives you know just having fun that's kind of fine I think I don't berate them that and it's like it's, it is a bit of a, a an ode to friendship I suppose in a way I'm, it trying, is. I'm thinking of that other film what's the one with Cameron Diaz and then there's that oh god Christina Applegate and they go to a wedding together and they have like a montage moment oh I don't think I've seen that oh it's really good the sweetest thing is that it it's not that is it oh it might be that one actually oh Oh, I haven't seen it but I remember in that one I think it is yeah I think it is I that's that's another female fun film yeah I'll I'll watch it maybe tonight got it on DVD I'll lend it oh, to fabulous <laughs> and they have a, a song in it that's goes your penis is too big to fit in here too big to fit <laughs> <laughs> well which is an important thing to know it really is that trouble down the line <laughs> <laughs> um another film that I went to see in the cinema well, it was like it was last year at Reading Festival and I'd been out DJing until like four in the morning or something and I'd drunk far too much white wine, which is never good the next day. Never. I had to check out the hotel at like midday. And you know when you just, I think I just sat in the lobby for like an hour. I know it well. I, like, oh, I just want to go and sit in a dark room. And then I remembered that the cinema exists ah. where you can just pay to sit in a dark room. And I was like, let's go and see 
the film that looks the shittest. <laughs> what was that? So I can go to sleep. I went to see Bad Moms. Oh my God. I was the loudest person in that cinema. <laughs> I did not sleep a wink. I was literally lolling down the aisle. That's so amazing. It was brilliant. And I thought it was going to be really crap. I guess that's probably, I mean, that was like a sort of sleeper hit, I think, last summer. Like, mm. it really took people by surprise how well it did at the box office. And maybe that is just because it was like strong female leads. They're really funny. And it, and it was just fun. It was just, it wasn't, it was, it was a bit silly. It had heart, but it was silly, but it was fun at its core. Do you know what's amazing at the moment? A film called The Little Hours. It's got Aubrey Plaza oh, and Molly her. Shannon. It's just one of the funniest things I've seen in a very, very, very long time. I saw the trailer and thought like, oh, it'll be quite amusing. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. It's you, in the cinema. It's in the cinema at the moment, I think. It, it might have got like a limited release, but it'll definitely be playing in like an art house cinema or something. Oh, that's the only ones I go to, darling. You will shit your pants with laughter. It's so funny. Oh my God, that's the word that I'm so bad at the cinema though. When I laugh, I laugh so I've heard loud. it, Jen. Yeah. I remember it. God, and there's sometimes I get jokes that I don't think other people have gotten. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that I'm like faster or more intelligent than everyone else. But you are. But I am. And uh, <laughs> so I went to see that one with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, sisters. Mm. And there's like a bit where a guy comes out the cupboard and he's with this girl. And it's sort of like, implied that she's been giving him a blowy and I don't think anyone else really noticed and I just went Bruh! like literally like it was silent in the room when we went to see the boss have you seen that with Melissa McCarthy oh my god I love that oh one my god so it's much. completely hilarious when the sofa bed goes up oh my god it's so oh my god so amazing I, I watched that at a friend's house and the guy sitting, sitting next to me he literally left the sofa ah. I scared him so much oh my god it's so amazing so we went into the cinema to watch it in Brooklyn and literally 95% <laughs> of the room did not find it as funny as us and it was we were like screaming with laughter it's just so fucking sharp it's you know, so like, good a lot of the jokes were completely lost on most of the people there because they were so like you know lightning fast yeah. and like niche reference as well or niche humor i think niche humor can, so funny can get you in trouble though i went to see what was the um the nwa film that they, they had i can't remember what oh, you know, the nwa biopic yes. i went to see that and there's a bit in it where um ice cube's character kicks a girl out of the bedroom and it's pretty harsh mm. and quite like brutal but he goes bye felicia because <laughs> I, I know i know because her name's felicia in the film and i did one of my like bah! like laugh and it was silent and it just, i think everyone just thought that i was laughing at this girl being yeah. like brutally ejected from a hotel room but i was like oh you don't it's get a niche it. reference yeah. <laughs> but it, that's what separates people that I love with people that I just like, you know? <laughs> it's all about the niche reference. Oh. All about the niche reference. Um, the Alien, Alien franchise. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that people don't like the fourth one, the resurrection one? I think maybe it was seen as a bit of a cash-in. Um, it was quite a while after Alien 3, and Alien 3, to be fair, is not the best film. No, I, I only really remember one and two. They are like traditionally the strongest um, in how they're remembered. But <laughs> I really think Alien Resurrection did add a lot to the franchise. I mean, it was kind of cool. It was dark, you know, the premise is you clone a person who died, 
she she commits suicide at the end of Alien Three because she's a she's got an alien in her and she doesn't want to give birth to it. So she throws herself I mean, in understandable. Yeah, she throws herself into a pit of lava. She spent three fucking films trying to not get impregnated by one of these. So she's not going to go out that way. <laughs> Strong ending, right? Then this evil company that wants to clone the aliens finds her DNA and clones her with the alien inside her multiple times to be able to create the perfect alien and the perfect version of her. Oh, so right. really, she is a byproduct. They want to clone her just to get the alien out of her. Which is like super dark. It's really so dark. playing with how humans treat humans, how humans treat other life forms. It's basically like, you know, produce. Yeah. And gonna make them money. They wanna turn it into an army of like killing machines. Like as if as if you can like train something. Like that. So I from the get go, that premise is interesting to me. Her performance is amazing. She's always amazing. Sigourney Weaver. She is always she's, amazing. She's always amazing. From Working Girl to fucking Ghostbusters to Alien to, you know, whatever you want to put this woman in. She is amazing. She's never less than like a kind of standout performance. And Winona Ryder is fantastic. And she hadn't been in films for a little while before this, I think. Um, so it was a real like, oh, you know, amazing. Welcome back to the screen kind of thing for Winona. Brilliant performance. Super interesting character with like a plot twist that maybe I won't give away. Oh, don't, don't give it away because I, I want to watch it now. And, you know, th- there are a couple of other females who are also decent in it, decent character-wise. Yeah. And the men, there's one or two men with an interesting story and there's those like stock garbagey kind of army type guys that you really don't care about. And the focus on Sigourney and Winona is super cool. I think it looks ultra modern still the animation is gorgeous you know everything about it is brilliant the soundtrack is brilliant the setting is brilliant it's a really cool part of the franchise but i think people had probably lost interest in that franchise by then right yeah. which is a shame and if that had come before alien 3 it might have been a bigger success do you think there's like some some oh, probably generalizing completely but do you think some guys don't like to see films with strong female leads, especially in, in the kind of like sci-fi action genre. I'm sure they do. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like, like it's no secret that a lot of straight men want a film which is like either quite macho or with a woman that's just fuckable, mm. you know? They don't, from like all the testing they've done with audiences like in the last decade or whatever, films that test better like don't have like, a superior female yeah. or a person of colour as the male as the, as the lead or um, someone from the LGBT community as yeah, the this lead. This isn't just conjecture. No, this is like this is like tested, tested yeah. with audiences. And that's understandable because most of the world or most of the people in the population, you know, would be like straight, I mm. suppose. So it kind of makes sense to a point. But it is a shame because there are so many excellent actors who are female and not white and not straight that it really shouldn't matter who the lead is Mm. you know yeah especially when like the storyline in films doesn't require the lead to be male or white or straight Mm. so anytime i see like the other getting their chance in a film i'm instantly drawn to it it's just sometimes you just you do want to 
see more than what you normally see. I mean, it's you just, do. It, I, I guess when you really start paying attention to it as a, as a white person as well, um, and, and just looking at like adverts when you're on the tube and stuff and just being like, ah, yeah, everyone here is white. And like, like and gorgeous and, and gorgeous, yeah, of course. And it's and all the couples are like, you know, I tell, it's still, I still do get like a little warmth inside when I see like the new like Tesco adverts, and it's yeah. like two guys cooking a lasagna together, and I'm like, oh, I love it, representation. Or, or what was the other one? Like there's a Sainsbury's, and it's like a lesbian couple, yeah, or something like that. It's you like, know, it's 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 nice to see yourself represented, but maybe yes. that's why films with straight white men as the lead test better because the people who are yeah. making the films maybe are, are straight white men. Yeah, and again, that's completely understandable. You know, you relate to what you relate to. Exactly, yeah. And I do understand that because I relate more to films where there's like... A fabulous woman. A fabulous woman, <laughs> which in essence is me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I think, yeah, going back to Alien, it is a shame that this film didn't get the loving reception that it deserved i think but give it another chance guys give it another chance guys like watch it it's fucking great is it on is it on netflix it's probably not i don't think so you might have to pay to rent it on amazon or itunes or you could break the law but we don't advise that or you could break the law but i would never do such a thing do you know what? actually nowadays i can't be bothered i always think like oh i'll, I'll just down i'll just i'll just stream it and I spend about half an hour trying to find a stream, get oh. some kind of virus on my computer, open exactly. like 27 betting royal casino adverts, see 17 different porn sites, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to pay £3.50, fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> Peace of mind as well, babes, isn't it? Peace of mind, yeah. I miss the days of going to the video, going to a blockbuster. I really miss going to a blockbuster. I remember going to like, the video shops in, um, well, Skewin, the ones in Neath weren't very good when I was growing up in skewing and they'd have like all of the cardboard cutouts of the, the films. Do you remember when that was a thing? I loved the it. cardboard cutouts. I loved it and I remember picking up the VHS boxes and all the artwork and being really scared by them when they had like the Hellraiser pin face guy. Oh yeah, that was terrifying. terrifying. Um, it was amazing. It was so, such a magical experience as a kid going into these shops and seeing this weird world of different films that, that you've never heard of with you know people on the covers that you've never types of people that you've never met and that's how I learned about different races and nationality and genders and sexualities and stuff was from these films that you got to like browse and come across by accident in a film shop and the physicality of like yeah. having the box and taking it down whereas I feel like when you when you're just on your like whatever streaming platform and you're just scrolling through there's just so many on like when you do those Netflix scrolls and there's so yeah. many you just get like completely lost in it. But when you go to like, not even a blockbuster, in, I mean, when I was in Fishguard and it was just like the shop at the end of my grand and granddad's lane. The, the, yeah, whatever the it was. Just the video shop, whatever it was. And you go in there and there's literally like a wall of about maybe a hundred boxes. And most of them have those little flaps on because they've, they've been taken out. Yeah. And you just have to pick one, don't you? And you do. Having the, being able to take it down and read the back and yeah see, I love see it. what the the warnings are telling you yes I love that I I get a bit snow blind with things like iTunes and Netflix and Spotify I just see like lists of names or like an album pack shot or a film image and it it's not enough for me all I can see is that and I I can't choose 
Right with Netflix, I spend half an hour trying to choose something to watch. Well, it's, it's a problem thing, I'm, isn't and it? And then I'm not in the mood. Decision fatigue. Can't do it. Can't do it. When you have to make too many choices, and you just you just get so exhausted that you just decide to read a book instead. Yeah, exactly. Or just put RuPaul on. Just watch RuPaul's Drag Race again, <laughs> infinitely. That is on Netflix. That which is on Netflix, <laughs> and that has well, not female leads, but. You know, <laughs> um, maybe maybe actually to help people out is that can you give us a few more cult recommendations? I know that you've got more than five favorite films. I've got billions. <laughs> I would recommend uh, there is. Uh, it depends from like a sci-fi point of view. There's um, Life Force, which is a sci-fi. It's kind of widely recognized as like a space vampires kind of movie. Great, excellent female lead in that. Space vampires, mm -hmm. love it. Um, Sleepaway Camp is very campy, Ooh. like you know, one of those like teen camp kind of things. Brilliant, great female lead in that as well. Uh, ooh, let's have a think. What have I watched recently? Um, Clue, I think, is a cult. You know, like the Clue to the board game. Tim right. Curry, Madeline Kahn. Oh, great. Lots of excellent, excellent female characters in that. Um, Oh, Spy and the Boss, Melissa McCarthy, absolutely amazing. Oh my God. Those two films are completely essential to anyone that likes comedy, I think. Spy? Yeah, Spy. Is that it another was the, Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, the one she did before The Boss. Oh, is The Boss a sequel? No, but oh, okay. her first big film before The Boss. Right. If you thought The Boss was funny, you were going to fucking die. <laughs> but you will come back so much stronger. <laughs> so amazing. Um, oh, what else? Um, give me a genre. Oh, um, rom-com. Rom-com? Um, oh, bollocks. I'm not really good with rom-coms. Okay. Am I? <laughs> no, like those ones are good. Just to say again, like Night of the Comet I think is excellent. Horror. Batman. Horror. <gasps> Black Christmas. Amazing film. Really, really old 1970s slasher film. Fantastic. Phenomena, which is a Dario Argento movie starring um, Jennifer... Connolly before she was in Labyrinth. Absolutely amazing. Scary as hell. You should watch that, that's amazing. I'm not very good with scary films. But if you are a fan of horror, I would recommend Phenomena. Um, or is it Phenomena? Yes, oh. Phenomenon is the terrible... Um, Phenomenon. Terrible, oh, what's the guy, Grease Lightning guy? What's John his name? Travolta? Yeah, one of his films, not that one. Phenomena, I think it's called. Okay. Um, I won't go and see the new It until I've plumbed my toilet in. Absolutely <laughs> refusing. Yeah, Even yeah. just seeing the adverts, every night I go into the bathroom and I see the empty tube sticking out the wall and I start getting panic attacks. I don't think it's as scary as the original. Really? Yeah, not in any way. Oh! Okay, when I watched the original one, I was like 12 at some Oh, you'd be fine be then. Fine. Okay, cool. You'd be absolutely fine. And then, oh, oh my God, Beetlejuice. Amazing. Oh. Amazing female Amazing. leads, um, Catherine O'Hara, absolutely essential. You should watch Schitt's Creek as well as a TV show. It's her, um, Eugene Levy and Daniel Levy and lots of the other family members. They get, um, as a family, they get all their money repossessed by the government. They have to move to a really crappy place called Schitt's Creek, which they bought as a joke. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> absolutely essential. Thank me later. Amazing. Brilliant. Those are my top tips. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank great. you for humouring me and my penchant. For, <laughs> this is my entire autumn and winter sorted. Done. Brilliant. Oh, it was lovely to chat to you as well. Thanks, Jen. About something other than pop music. I know. Who cares about pop music?
Ugh, so boring. So god. Nothing compared to Romeo and Michelle. Nothing, not one thing. All right then, let's go fold scarves. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> Thank you to the lovely Rod. If you are listening in New York or London and a fan of Romeo and Michelle, then follow Rod at Bright Light Times 2, usually on social media, for details of his Romeo and Michelle afternoon tea parties. You can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog. And next week, I'm talking to Joe Mount from Metronomy about architecture. You've been listening to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. This is a podcast from the line of Best Fit. Please subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media, or leave us a nice review. That would be a lovely Christmas slash New Year present. See you next week.